We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel and special guest Nolan Jensen. Guys, how are we doing? I'm doing fantastic. You know, it's been a while since I hopped on a podcast with you boys. There's reason to be excited. We have two preseason, preseason games under the belt, under our belt, I should say. I'm ready to declare us a dynasty. That's what I want to hear. We've got my Nets Republic brother, the king himself on the pod. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, what are we talking about? So first up, guys, the preseason is over. The regular season is a mere 24 hours away. Nolan, what are your big takeaways? Obviously, I've got a couple on this dock, and they're pretty simple in terms of the amount of words that are there. But what sort of sticks out to you? Do you have any other different ones? Um, immediate takeaways, depth. Um, actually, in a lot of ways, it's been a, uh, I won't say, a, yeah, no, it's been a welcoming surprise. I honestly didn't expect this team to, um, especially this early, look this dominant. And that's exactly what they've done, especially in the KD Kyrie minutes. Uh, KD's still KD. I felt as if that was always going to be the case, but now I feel a little more justified in that stance. Kyrie Irving, I mean, he said it himself. Wherever he is on the court, whoever's guarding him, he's a mismatch. And all the other pieces looked absolutely fantastic. So thus far, I mean, again, two preseason games, sure. But, man, we look good. Yeah, no one spot on here. Obviously, in the two games and what we saw, everything looked 
a lot better than I think anyone could have anticipated, especially with just guys coming back from injury, having so many new pieces, new coaching staff. Offense is clicking. They just murdered the Celtics in their last game. And defensively, I think there was a couple bright spots. Obviously, we've seen a couple guys look really good, be it Kevin Durant. Even Karis LeVert in his bench role, I thought, has looked good. Joe Harris back where he left off. Landry Shamit looks like he's going to be a nice little piece. Could Torian Prince possibly be a solid player this year? You know, in preseason games, it looks like there might be a little bit of hope. We'll have to see what happens there. And then obviously, you know, Spencer in the starting lineup so far has been a little interesting too. And, you know, like you have right here, Jack, no Bruce Brown. Yeah, I think the two negatives that we can sort of maybe dive deep into a little bit more because the positives are the easy ones. You know, there's, there's nothing that we need to analyze about the fact that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are awesome. But in, in, in Spencer Dinwiddie in that second preseason matchup against the Boston Celtics, seemed like he was having to sort of make the adjustments and such. And I said on the last pod that, you know, if anyone can adjust, it is him because he's had to adjust maybe more than any other player in his tenure as a Brooklyn Net during yeah. Kenny Atkinson and Jacques Vaughn. Are you worried at all, um, Nolan, about Spencer Dimity, whether it's adjusting to the starting role, whether he's at for the fifth starter in the backcourt, or whether he's coming off the bench? Would you change your mind? Would you put Karras in there? What are your thoughts, I guess, on Spencer Dimity's preseason, and if we can take anything away from it? Uh, thus far, I'll be completely honest with you. I'm not sipping on the Kool-Aid. I'm not at all worried. Um, we know Spencer Dinwiddie last season got off to a pretty slow start. He took about 10, 15 games to really get going. And then, obviously, he turned into a borderline all-star, really, kept us afloat while Karis and Kyrie were down. Like you said, you know, he has had to adjust probably more than anybody else on this Nets um, team over the past few years. Now he has a role where he kind of has to be that gel guy, and he hasn't exactly been that in his career thus far. He's been a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Um, when we have injuries, he's stepped up his game and elevated, and he's been a borderline all-star. But now he's asked to do a completely different role, novel to him completely, and in, he struggled, especially in that second game against a pretty solid team like the Boston Celtics. Those struggles were pronounced. So it's, it's going to take some time. This is not going to you know, immediately click for him right out the gate. I never really expected it to. But I still think that Spencer Dinwiddie kind of has that gel guy. I mean, my prediction for his splits this year are probably going to be like 12 to 13 points per game, maybe seven rebounds, six assists, kind of make everything work, everything run smoothly. Um, you mentioned Karis Avert. Could he come in for Spencer Dinwiddie at some point in the starting rotation? I would think so. I think those two are pretty interchangeable. They can both do um, – they can both be starters or they can both be, you know, borderline six-man-of-the-year candidates if that's what asked of him by Nash and the coaching staff. So Dinwiddie, not at all concerned quite yet. I want to see more of it. Like Nolan said, I think Dinwiddie has the biggest adjustment from anybody else on the roster. Just because last time he played basketball, he was essentially leading the show for the Nets, or at the very least, he was the lead point guard. And now he's asked to kind of be this gel guy that has to fit in next to Kyrie, fit in next to KD, and take on this new role. And I feel like, honestly, maybe if Karras was starting, we might be talking about him struggling fitting in right now just because of the adjustment. For Karras coming up the bench, it's pretty much like, okay, let me get the ball, score, do my thing. Now he's already got his rhythm when KD and Kyrie come back in there. So I, I feel pretty confident in Spence. I think his skill set will allow him to kind of fit into the role the Nets need. Yeah, I think as well, what he showed in that game against Washington, you know, it feels like eons ago now, but he sort of was putting up the stats that sort of Nolan was alluding to. I think he had like 10, 8, and 7 or something. He looked like he was playing that versatile role that the Nets needed him to play, the quote-unquote Draymond Green role, as he likes to sort of uh, coin it. And, you know, we'll get to Draymond Green a little bit later in this episode, funnily enough. But, yeah, I'm, I'm confident because we've seen him adjust. There hasn't been a player on the Brooklyn Nets that has made more adjustments, you know, to his own role than Spencer Dimwood. 
put in. Yes, it takes time to make uh, to change to adjust to any sort of new circumstance. You know, you can't expect everyone to be like good at everything immediately. You know, not everyone's Joe Harris, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but in saying that, and I'll say this about Spence too, Jack. Just he needs to not hesitate on some of the open three point attempts. Maybe it's just something too he's not used to because no one was really creating for him in the past. So yeah. now, like when he has those top of the key threes, we saw in this last game against Boston turned it down for no reason just pull the trigger you know you got to hit those shots keep the defense honest i think in the same breath though um what i really liked especially from Spencer Dinwiddie in that first game against the wizards is when he got the ball in his hands he was immediately looking to attack immediately yeah. looking to go downhill potentially get a foul or create for others and when you're going to have you know the second best perimeter player or defender i should say on you at all times then when he looking to attack especially with his physicality and his frame is obviously going to be a good thing for this net yeah, I think it's about kind of finding the balance, though. Like, yeah, you want him to exactly. stay aggressive, but, like, if people start not respecting him at the three-point line, then it kind of impacts the offense in other ways. So, like, yeah. if you can st- keep that aggression, like, we saw him kill some closeouts because if you're yeah. stepping out there and with his speed, yeah. he's such a problem. So, I feel pretty yeah. good about him. In the whole yeah, season. look, we're nitpicking a little bit, and obviously it is a preseason, but I think with the, more than any other team, we can look into some of the things that have happened in this preseason for the Brooklyn Nets, maybe probably more than any other team, because there are so many new pieces and, 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 and new roles going forward. So what we've seen from these two preseason matchups, probably more than the Boston Celtics game than the Wizards game, it's just like, okay, what is the best version of all of these guys? How does it all fit together? And obviously, you know, the signs are good at this point in time, but we hopefully the signs maintain their goodness not the best word i've ever used but you know in the, in the coming months and uh, as the season does start to progress but the final one i wanted to get to before we get to um more recent news uh, around jared allen is the lack of bruce brown we saw you know some some chunk change minutes from him in in the latter points of the boston celtics game nolan is there a reason why we haven't seen bruce brown and obviously you know jana musa isn't even on the detroit pistons anymore but in <laughs> saying that you know, I saw Matt Brooks, you know, our guy sort of put out the fact that, you know, maybe Bruce Brown is just going to develop into what is the David Nwaba world, where it's just like he's going to have to earn those minutes and he's going to have to earn himself into the rotation. And once those minutes are there, he's going to be making an impact. What are your thoughts on Bruce Brown's preseason and his prospects going forward? I mean, I think it's actually a good thing. I think it's testament to the Nets' depth that a guy like Bruce Brown, who was exceptional last year on the Pistons, started, I believe, 42, 43 games, put up yeah. splits, can't find minutes even in garbage time situations in the preseason. Um, I think that's a, a true testament to exactly how deep this team is. Thus far, it, it feels like it's almost going to be an arms race between TLC and Bruce Brown for uh, minutes at that position. Right now, it looks like um, Steve Nash and coaching staff have a little more faith in TLC, but that's subject to change as the season obviously progresses, like you mentioned. Brown, he is... He's going to have to prove it. Like, that's it's, it's quite as simple as that. When he gets his minutes, kind of like, you know, Brooks and Jack just um, alluded to, like David Nwaba did last year. I mean, he was a guy that had, you know, frequent DMPs. But once he finally got minutes in November, December, he proved to Kenny Atkinson and the guys that, hey, you have to put me on the floor. And Bruce Brown, it's going to be a similar situation. Um, I like what he is as a player. I would do that trade, you know, 11 times out of 10. John Musa. You know, a second-round pick via Toronto in 2021, a bottle of finesse for Bruce Brown. <laughs> That's one heck of a trade. Um, I, I expect at some point this season he's going to crack the rotation because, like, what he brings to the table, I mean, we don't really have any good to great individual defenders on paper. And Bruce Brown exactly is that. He can go out and disrupt the 
you know, opposing player is the best perimeter play, uh, player, I should say, sorry. And there's value in that in and of itself. Yeah, I think Nolan's right here. I think there's going to be a situation, let's see, Trey Young, James Harden, some shooting guard or guard is just going to go lights out and the Nets are not going to be able to stop him. Steve Nash is going to call Bruce Brown in. He's going to kind of prove his worth and maybe get his minutes in the rotation. Or maybe he'll just be used sporadically across the year. It's hard to say. I mean, this is just, you know, I don't want to say a hot take, but maybe this is something we could conclude from this or possibly that Steve Nash might just value offense a little bit more. And the fact that like Landry Sham is playing over him, he's a floor spacer. They both play that guard position and he's looking for a little bit more offense in terms of three point shooting out there and how he can complement the other guys. And Bruce Brown maybe didn't have a great camp in terms of shooting. Yeah, I, I sort of said that, you know, reading the tea leaves that it doesn't seem like he's had the, the best preseason in training camp and there's other guys that have solidified themselves in the rotation. But coming up against Stephen Curry, maybe the best point guard in the yep. league, and we have a guy who's one, a really, really good guard defender. If, you know, there is a time to use him, you know, it, it could be, whether it's sparingly or not, you know, I think Bruce Brown would be a decent enough pick. But obviously it's going to be, you know, is he cooking Spencer Dinwiddie? Is he cooking Landry Sharon? Is he cooking all yep. of these, you know, different sort of guys? That'll be, uh, remains to be seen. But It'd be pretty uh, funny if he played like 20 minutes tomorrow. <laughs> look, anything could happen. I think that what Steve Nash has preached is the fact that, you know, we are going to be flexible. We are going to do these different things. We are going to experiment here. Guys are going to have to earn minutes. You know, we know what the sort of seven man sort of rotation is, but eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, all those guys can make a case in, in some vein or another. But the, re the news that came out today, lads, was that Jared Allen and the Brooklyn Nets will not agree to a contract extension and he will be a restricted free agent at the end of the season, according to Chris Yanes of Yahoo Sports. Nolan, did this surprise you at all? Uh, not in the slightest. I never thought they were going to come to terms on an extension at any point this year. Um, I mean, again, this almost benefits the Nets too. We get Jared Allen in a contract year, looking to prove it in the uh, RFA market next offseason. This is this is this is great for us. I never thought we were going to be able to uh, retain him. To be completely honest with you, the Nets obviously then we operating on margins in terms of where they are. You know, going against the luxury tax threshold. So. I never thought Jared Allen was actually going to be a net beyond this year. And it has nothing to do with him as a player because I, in a lot of ways, I think he should be starting this year. And I'm sure we'll get into that at some point this episode, but I'm not at all surprised. No. Yeah, I wasn't surprised either. I think for both parties, you can see why it would make sense in the sense that trading Jared Allen if he signed a bigger contract would make it a little bit more difficult given he's still on a rookie number. So it would be, I think, the poison pill on yeah, that. So, exactly, yeah. so now it's like, okay, if you and the James Harden trade is still out there. At least we all think it probably is to some extent. I'm not sure how aggressive or interested the Nets are, but it's still something they have to consider. And let's be honest, Jared Allen is one of their biggest trade assets in terms of like upgrading the team, even if it's on the wing or making a move for a superstar. Then from the Jared Allen perspective, like you could sign this deal and <laughs> And you could be at the lower value. Instead, if you come out this year and you have a great season, I mentioned this to Jack in the DMs. We were talking, like, look at Bismack Biombo a couple years with the Raptors. He had that deep playoff run, and then he ended up getting overpaid. If Jared Allen were to be some, like, key big man rotation for the Nets, someone could overpay him in the offseason. He might end up on another team where the Nets might be forced to match. So for Jared Allen, it never really made sense to sign the extension, especially because it's not like he's coming off peak value. They started DeAndre over him at the end of the regular season. Obviously, had a good bubble, but his value, I would say, was higher the offseason before. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think that right now, if we're, if we're putting a number on it per year, I put out on Twitter, you know, he's at that ten to fifteen million dollar range. You know, anywhere from like, you know, Nurkic 
you know, that, that sort of range of number, you know, even mid-level exception, you know, $9 million to anywhere up to like $15 million. He could get, you know, Clint Capella-style money, Miles Turner-style money, 17 18 $19 million per season. If he shows what he's done in the preseason where, you know, he has been the Nets' best defender and out there with Kevin Durant, they are a menace on the back line, you know, and yeah. I think he can do that. And if he's doing that in, you know, postseason matchups and NBA finals, then Jared Allen is going to get paid and he's going to deserve to get paid. Also in saying that, he's still only 22. You know, Obi Toppin of the New York Knicks right now is 22 right now. You know, he is going to continue to grow and a lot of these extensions that, you know, we look at Canard and all these different ones, we're not going to discuss them, but you look at it, it's paying for what they are going to be and what they're going to turn into. And Jared Allen is continuing to grow maybe more than any of the, a lot of these other guys that have gotten extensions as well. You know, he can continue to grow as a, a rim protector, as a, as a man-to-man defender, as a switchable defender. And then offensively is probably where the, he has the most growth. A lot of people are still, you know, criticizing his lack of aggression, but I think that has got, gotten a little bit better, even though he was somewhat timid in, in certain points against Boston. But I think as well, you know, in, in the, in in the short pick and ro- the short roll, he's gotten better. Is he going to start shooting three-pointers? I don't think so. But he's got so much growth before he fully reaches that potential. And I think, you know, by the time he's 28, you know, he could be one of the, the, the really good rotation centers in this league, starting centers. He already is a starting center for that matter. Yeah, and he could put himself in a situation almost similar to Joe Harris, where the Nets could be in a spot where they can't afford to lose him. So then all, you know, now he has to leverage in the situation and gets a number he wants. Like, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for DeAndre to get to a point this season where it's tough to play him big postseason minutes or even play him like half of the center minutes, and Allen could be playing more there. So uh, he made a good move for himself. What would you say, Nolan? I didn't want to interrupt you, but I think we're going to get there quicker than most expect. Yeah, I mean, and to be honest, I think Jack kind of alluded to it. That would be the peak version of the Nets. You can see, even I know it's preseason, but the quickness differential in Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan is so substantial. And I think it... It'll Jared Allen as an athlete, just as a prototype and just what his physical tools are, just unlock a potential for the Brooklyn Nets defensively and offensively for that matter, that, you know, a friendship with two superstars, you know, is just supersedes in, in every single realms of possibility because, you know, I, I just... He, Jared Allen is like showing switchability in, in these preseason matchups, you know, onto Jason Tatum and such. And he's done that before. I mean, DeAndre does that maybe once every 100 possessions or whatever. But then he also, it, it, in terms of we're not playing that sort of drop coverage as much as we were, you know, last season and under Kenny Atkinson. And yeah. I think this defensive scheme that is currently being iterated and implemented by Steve Nash and, and Jacques Vaughn and the rest of the coaches is suiting Jared Allen so much better. And um, I'd be surprised, you know, Jared, a, a big preseason takeaway is that Jared Allen is just so much freaking better than DeAndre Jordan. It's, it's plain and simple. Yeah. 2020 has reshaped how we work. And it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there's no long-term contracts. 
And now, Indeed's new way of matching with candidate instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only site that moves as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. But Kevin Durant spoke to the media today, yesterday, guys, and Steve Nash also did as well in relation to KD. He thinks that he's in the 90s, whether it's 90 or 99% back. Nolan, it's a scary thought that my, my guy KD, who is balling out and playing like the best player in the league, ain't even really the real Kevin Durant easy money sniper that we know and love. That's funny. I, I, I love Steve Nash. Like, way to gas up your superstar. Like, yeah, he's not even at his full powers yet where he's breaking guys down in isolation, throwing down hammer dunks, pulling up from mid, looking exactly like Kevin Durant. He's like, oh, yeah, well, he still has to get in game shape. Like, what, what, what did we just see then? What was all that about? He looked like he was in game shape to me in two preseason games. So if, if he has another level to get to, apparently, like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's amazing. Do you think he's a chance to win the MVP this season, Nolan? Uh, no. Uh, I, I won't exactly go that far. Um, I think this is going to be Luka Doncic's um, MVP to lose. Uh, a lot of that is going to have to go uh, do with narrative. Um, the Mavericks are a second. No, I won't say second. If they're even like a three or four seed and he's putting up damn near a triple-double on efficient splits, I think it might go to him. Um, KD is definitely going to be in the top five. And, and another thing, um, we're going to play, obviously, 72 games in a condensed regular season i don't exactly know how many games kd is going to play like if he misses out on 10 to 12 games which is very much so in the realm of possibility and hey i want him healthy come playoffs i don't really care about regular season awards too much it's almost impossible for him to win so i won't say he is going to win mvp he's definitely going to be a candidate um my hot take get out here for you boys is that Kevin Durant is going to make an all-defensive team, and I'm not talking about the second. Love that. I saw you putting that there. Love it on the pot as well. Nick, what are, you what are your thoughts on him as an all-defensive candidate then? I mean, that would be amazing. I think if that's the case, then I feel really good about my prediction for the Nets to go to the finals. <laughs> like if, you know what I mean? Like, if KD's an all-level defensive player and Jared Allen's playing at the level we kind of anticipate from him, and you see a little improvement from other guys, like – there's no reason they can't be the best team in the East because we know the offense is there. Like, this offense, like, is really good. Like, if a guy gets hurt, the offense is still really good. They're just kind of a stacked team. And just to touch on the MVP stuff, like Nolan mentioned, I think it's almost like the Nets might hold KD back a little bit with load management. Give it the games or even the minute count. Like, 
we're not going to play KD 40 minutes against, you know, the Charlotte Hornets, you know what I mean? So like, and, and like Luca might have to play more games and put up more stats for his team to win where KD has a luxury of playing with Kyrie, Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris, all guys that can just light it up offensively. And so can the bench dudes. Yeah. Look, the, the defense is something that, you know, I was looking into previous film, you know, in Golden State, just having a little bit of fun at that. I'm just like, God damn. Like, he can go from defense to offense yeah. in a way that few other people and players can do. And the way that Steve Kerr unlocked him there in, in, in Golden State with that system, you know, Steve Nash, you can see some similarities in the way that they're playing. And I think KD is just an incredibly instinctual and intelligent basketballer. Like, wow, hot take that I'm providing. He's a <laughs> player but in that sort of respect he's making those reads and he he's making those reads and he's able to get to those reads because yeah. his body is allowing him to at this point in time and he's only going to be making those reads better and better throughout the season as that 90 percent becomes 95 percent becomes 100 percent, and the game conditioning continues to grow and continues to improve if the Brooklyn Nets are a top five defensive team. They're making that at the NBA Finals because generally, you have, if you're top five on both ends of the floor, you're one of the best teams in the league. And I think that the Brooklyn Nets have certainly potential to be that on the offensive end. And we saw them finish like eighth or ninth in defensive rating last season with without the level of, of defending, individual defending and team defending that Kevin Durant can do and Jared Allen continuing to improve. It just seems to me that they're... I'm hoping that these glimpses continue to be a reality rather than just a flash in the pan. Yeah. Well, Katie said himself, he's a student of the game. He's always looking to improve. Um, and that's obviously, you know, translated over to his game. I mean, as a defender over the years, he's improved. It's just so much. And I'm watching him play center field and playing safety in a bag, just roaming around with that disruptive length, which I almost feel like I somehow underrated it's going to be so good for this Nets defense. And like you said, you know, he's turned some uh, defense into offense. Partially blocks a shot. He comes down and pulls from 28 feet. And it's like, what? <laughs> that, was <laughs> my favorite that was my favorite player of the preseason. Like, what are you supposed to do about this seven-foot demigod? But to kind of justify my stance on um, Katie potentially making it all defensive, and I'm talking about second team, I'm talking about first team. Yeah. I think this year, I think we're going to see him em embrace a lot of these key matchups on that end of the floor. And Kyrie, hey, go do your thing, go cook. Uh, we're going to put the uh, you know defensive burden on your shoulders, and he is fully capable of, of of doing so and performing at a high level. So I really think we're going to be seeing Katie locked in on that end of the floor and uh, continuing his upward trajectory on that end. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, too, because like we said, that's an area of need for the Nets, and that's an area KD can help. And like even if he doesn't get to all-defensive player level, like the length alone is going to provide the Nets' defense with something that they just haven't had. You know, be it the passing lanes, be it the weak side of rim protector, like Nolan mentioned, kind of roaming around and just being a disruptor. And like, sh shit, the Nets haven't even gotten a lot of transition buckets over the last couple of years. Like, that's a nice sight to see, like seeing some of those easy dunks in preseason, like that was awesome. Yeah, it really was. And and just sticking on the defense a little bit more, you know, I think all of us were quite low on the, the wing depth and quality and the, the lack of moves that Sean Marks did made. But one one area that you can point to with Kevin Durant, Toy and Prince and Jeff Green, all of them are like amazing athletes in, in one realm or another. Now, there are obviously question marks surrounding all of them in, in different sort of realms and fashion. But that's an area where uh, at that position, 
that is where you want to have athletes. That's where you want to have guys that have length, that have you know jumping ability and just the ability to block shots and and help and provide help defense. And you know Kevin Durant playing four five with Jeff Green in in closing lineups against you know whether it's the Golden State Warriors or other teams and and forcing teams to go against them. There's now defensive flexibility and malleability that I didn't necessarily predict, and I, that, that's why I think the Jeff Green get is going to add a lot of value at different points of the season, probably more so in the playoffs um, than in the regular season. Just unlocks lineups. Like, that the Nets yeah. just wouldn't have an opportunity to have with anyone else on the roster. Like, it's just a guy that's really versatile. And I was impressed. Like, we talked about in the preseason finale. Like, he still has some of that athleticism. Like, at 34 years old, he can still put down a poster. Yeah. I think with so many uh, endgame lineups, it's almost sickening. Like that's it's hard for Steve Nash almost. It's gonna be too yeah. much. Like I, I got bad news for uh, you and I, Jack. I think there's gonna be games where Joe Harris is uh, sitting on the bench to end games. And like uh, honestly, in a lot of ways, you know, I'm I'm okay with that. Landry Shaman could have it going on any given night. Toyin Prince could have it on any given night and match up better at the three. Um, it's just so incredibly versatile, man. There's so many different lineup combinations that you can play with. Yeah, yeah I, I remember putting out, and I said in the last pod that I put the simplest and you know most blatant tweet out there that the Brooklyn Nets have the best depth in the NBA. And apart from a couple of Lakers fans here and there trying to ratio me, I got a lot of traction on it because it seems to be true. But I'll, I'll repeat the point that I did make on the last pod. Depth will matter in this regular season, especially with like Nola mentioned the condensed nature, and you know hopefully the vaccine does you know make its way to NBA players sooner rather than later. So COVID isn't necessarily as big of an issue, but it still is, and and, and it still will be until that point in time. So depth is going to matter at, at at that point, and then by that point you would like to hope and think that the Nets have been able to go okay, these are our eight or nine guys. This is what we're going to be looking like into the postseason, and though a lot of those sort of question marks around the rotation have been sort of answered and you know there's going to be depth and there's going to be injuries whether it's Kyrie Irving missing some games here or there Carousel Vert all of our guys I don't expect many of them if any to play 72 games this season you yeah. know I would expect that the best players to be playing you know 60 to 65 and you know on the with the likes of KD and, and Kyrie probably like 55 and late 50s in that sort of respect and you know like Nolan mentioned as long as they're playing 38 minutes 42 minutes in, in key matchups in the postseason that's all that matters yeah, and the Nets are typically conservative anyways when it comes to injuries. They're going to rest guys, and they have the opportunity to do two with this roster. So who cares, right? <laughs> like, exactly, exactly. We touched on Joe Harris a little bit. I'm sorry, Nolan, that we did start the show with him. Um, <laughs> you know, we need to get our side project, this side podcast for Nets Republic going, just the Joe Harris only pod. I'll add it to the OnlyFans content that I've got going on. But we heard him speak to the media as well, my guy, and you've probably seen it a little bit as well. You've noticed, like, Joe's taking some trickier shots here. He's stepping back a little bit. He's taking some contests that he probably wouldn't have wanted to take or Kenny maybe wouldn't have let him take, you know, in yesteryear. What have you seen from him in the preseason? And do you see an evolution of him, you know, a swagger to him? You know, he's got the tat like you do now. He's walking around <laughs> with a bit more of a strut. You know, he's call, he's getting called a flamethrower by Kyrie. You know, there seems to be a progression of Joe Harris that it's, you know, my, my guy just is looking like he's got a strut about it. He took multiple three-point attempts in that Boston Celtics preseason game that I've never seen him shoot before. Yeah. Like, I've watched Joe Harris pretty intently, and I've wanted it <laughs> so long, right? And all of a sudden, he's just pulling in people's face. I'm like, what? What? what is happening? Sidestep three contested don't matter. It's nothing but net every single time. 
it's awesome. If this is what we're going to be getting, if, if Joe Harris is going to be actively looking for his shots when he has opportunities, and as we know, he's going to have a lot of you know wide open looks this year. That's just KD and Kyrie, their gravitational pull on defenses. That's what it's going to create. But if he's also just pulling out in transition from 31 feet out, which it looks like he can do pretty yep. easily. Like, I'm just... I don't know, man. I'm going to be insufferable on Twitter all year. <laughs> you and me both, my guy. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? This, this, You said the evolution of his game. Uh, he's improved in so many different aspects over the course of the last four seasons, now in year five in Brooklyn. This is the next step for him. Um, if you run him off the line, he can make the right decision. He uh, he shoots somewhere between 200 to 220 um, like layup attempts, essentially, from five feet or out or closer, I should say, a year. So he has that. Um, we saw a bit of the mid-range. He, I think he pulled yeah. it in the Boston Celtics game. We saw that in the bubble. So that's there now, too. And now if he's pulling it from 28 to 30, <laughs> it just it just makes the team all the more dangerous, and I'm all for it. Yeah, 100%. And like you kind of hinted at, Nolan, we started to see a little bit of it in the bubble. I remember that Clippers game. He had a couple moves where I was like, okay, Joe. Reggie oh, Jackson's ankles had yeah. that toe on the floor. <laughs> And yeah, I think KD had a quote about it too, that he wants Joe to shoot these shots and kind of get that confidence because these are the type of shots that you're going to get in the postseason. Like you're not going to get a ton of those wide open shots. They need Joe Harris to hit these big threes in the Eastern Conference finals or the finals. Like this is going to be the type of defense he's getting, you know, in those games. So to get used to it. And like you said, he has the ability to do it. So why not? And I feel like it's also like a coaching thing too. It's like, we want you to be aggressive. We just want our offense to be so deadly that teams are in fear all the time. Well, yeah, when you got Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash as your like, offensive masterminds, they're going to be like, Joe, if you don't shoot it, we are going to pull you off the floor. <laughs> and we've got Landry Shamet that'll take that shot for you, my guy. And and I think that's a good thing because we saw in that Boston Celtics matchup, he took seven threes in like 20 minutes. Yeah, like, right. Joe, there would be like games and like stretches of games where he would barely take five threes. Yeah. And now we're seeing him, you know, and I, and I mentioned, and I'll repeat it again because I think it's a point that's worth you know, embracing and, and talking about again. The Team USA experience for Joe Harris allowed him to realize that he is an elite NBA player. Not just an elite shooter, he is an elite NBA player. Now, whatever realm of top 50, top 100, I don't necessarily care what ESPN and Bleach Report rank him. But Joe and Nolan made the points just sort of there. You know, he's becoming a well-rounded player. You know, I remember a video I put out like last week, you know, where he was speaking to some people in London about his sort of just defensive IQ. He's a good defender. There's people out there that call him a bad defender. He's a good enough defender and an intelligent enough defender. And he shows effort. That's a lot more than, you know, other guys in the perimeter will do. And that's why he might get the that sort of last starting spot over Landry Shaman. It's like, you know, you can't necessarily discern between two of the best shooters in the league. But you know what? Joe's a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger and is showing a little bit more effort on the defensive end you deserve the closing spot my guy and obviously that mid-range shot he looks comfortable he's always generally taking it from around the sort of elbow to elbow but I think that there's going to be probably points in the season where it's just like you know what I might take it from you know around the sort of you know baseline sort of area I just think that he's becoming more and more complete of a player and uh, the one thing that I really did like was that he was pissed off when he missed that layup when he hmm. closed on, on the drive. Yeah, and I think that he's, he's showing like standards and, and accountability for himself that, you know, like Kyrie and KD aren't going to need to tell him, you know, Joe, you got to make that next time. You can tell that he's going to be angry at himself. There's just a level of aggression, composure, and confidence that Joe Harris is deserving to have because he's producing it on a level. And, 
Man, if he keeps chewing that gum game after game, boy, oh boy, Nolan and myself are going to be getting flustered in ways more than one. <laughs> but we'll move on to some, you know, maybe a little bit disappointing news just for us as fans. Uh, we saw that Chris Chioza, unfortunately, um, was let go, uh, as was Elia Kobo and Paul uh, Ibola. And we saw Reggie Perry signed to the two-way. Yeah. Nolan, what are some of your memories of Chris Chioza? Now, I think that, he provided some spurts in the bubble. I still think that that like crossover in and out, which got like KD out of his seat. You know, I put it out there on, on yeah. Twitter. And I'm just like, man, he's an NBA player. And I think he'll get picked up somewhere. What are your thoughts? Um, Definitely my favorite memory of Chris Chioza was in that Boston Celtics game back in uh, March before Karis LeVert absolutely went scorched earth. We were down like 20, didn't we didn't have it that night. Kenny Axon finally looked down at the tail end of the depth, or tail end of the bench, I should say, and said, Chioza, go out there, try to make something happen. And he did. And then him and Karis LeVert had that chemistry. They led us back. It was probably, at least in my opinion, that was the most enjoyable win of the season. Yeah. So that would definitely be my um, uh, my most memorable uh, Chioza moment. Um, in terms of him not making, you know, making the cut, it doesn't really surprise me. Uh, to be completely honest with you, we, like as we all know, this team has plenty of guard depth. Um, I'd rather have Tyler Johnson in his size and his fluidity as that. Well, he's obviously as a lefty. Um, I just I, I didn't know if there was ever going to be minutes for Chioza. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily expect there to be. Um, given a different situation, like you said, like Chioza is an NBA player. Uh, I'm going to follow him. I think the Wizards go go their G League affiliate. Um, I think they have his rights right now. So hopefully we get to see him in the NBA again. He's an absolutely fantastic playmaker, electric. He mentions that left-right crossover against the Memphis Grizzlies. That got me off my seat as well. I'm, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow, you know, a lot of our guys that didn't exactly make the cut. Like another one is Justin Anderson, who I believe just got – Your guy. Yeah, so hopefully he gets picked up again. Um, Chioza, I'm more confident in him than Justin Anderson getting picked up. But you know, it's it was it was a nice little run. He represented everything fun that happened in the bubble and the last you know latter 15, 20 games of that season. But unfortunately, you know, this is a completely different set of circumstances. They have guard depth. Um, it's it's time to compete, and he just there was really never going to be any minutes for him. Yeah, and his skill set necessarily isn't, like, ideal for the roster. Like, they have plenty of playmakers, and like you said, Tyler Johnson's a better fit. He's more of a complimentary guard to, you know, Kyrie, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Avert, or whatever it might be. I would say, you know, favorite moment that Boston Celtics game was cool. I remember there was, like, a quote where he said, like, Karis, I'll bring the ball up and I'll get it to you so you can just score. Like, yeah. you know, like, so that was cool. I mean, even that behind-the-back pass we just saw from, like, one of those training camp videos, yeah. that was fire. That was yeah. a tough pass, and that was, like, spot on. Uh, I, I'm a little bit less confident in him being an NBA player. I think he's, like, on the fringe. I think the thing that's always going to be extremely difficult is that he is so undersized. Like, yeah. it's just very hard to stay on the floor, especially offensively. He just gets really timid. Like, we saw it in the bubble where he almost wouldn't shoot at certain points. Like, he needs to develop a really good three-point shot, and then he has a better chance, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he showed it a little bit in the Washington Wizards game. Um, you know, we saw that three-pointer. Clutch which three. I thought, Yeah, really, really clutch from him. So, look, right. I'm hoping. And, look, I, I, for people that, like you, are arguing, like, why are you talking about Chris Jones of, like, five minutes on a podcast? We 
have emotional attachment to players. You know, that's just the plain and simple thing when you are fans of the team. We're not like general managers. We're not general NBA people. We are fans of the Brooklyn Nets. And you develop attachments to guys like Nolan mentioned with a guy like Justin Anderson. You know, D'Lo to me is still one of my favorite players, even if he's one of the best players in the league. There's an emotional attachment to that version of the Brooklyn Nets and D'Lo leading this team and just the swagger that he brought and stuff. I think that people need to not argue with people about liking things and liking players. It's just like, let people do their thing, especially on Twitter. It's, it just gets a little bit too much sometimes. But I wanted to ask you about Reggie Perry, Nolan. Ooh, do, you think he, do you think he deserves this two-way? And is he going to win Rookie of the Year? And by how many votes <laughs> will he? <laughs> oh, man. You know what? He, uh, he... <laughs> He actually surprised me in his minutes thus far. He really looked like he uh, he belonged. I, well, as we know, there was plenty of Nets propaganda centered around him. He really did a good job of gassing him up. And I'm like, man, I don't really know much about this guy. He was a second-round pick. Haven't really watched his college you know, tape outside of maybe like a 10-minute YouTube compilation, how much you can get from those. Your guess is as good as mine. But like, he's just, he's just another almost like a plug-and-play stretch five type that – I wouldn't expect to play more than like 45 to 50 games this year, but can also, you know, prove his worth. Um, I really thought in like in that, in that first game against the Wizards, him and Jeff Green's minutes together, that little uh, rookie uh, veteran dynamic, which I saw last year with Claxton and um, Wilson Chandler being on a really small sample size. I saw a president once more. They were, you know, operating fluidly. They were communicating. It looked good. Richard Perry, the shot, he, may or may not exist i'm not quite sure yet we'll only have a two game sample size but if he can if he can stretch the floor pull middies uh fading off a pick and roll or even extend beyond the three-point line like i think nash and especially mike d'antoni are going to be able to find uh minutes for him um i don't exactly have you know large expectations i won't not going to come on here and say like sky's the limit for reggie perry uh, but thus far i like what i've seen um i want to see more of it yeah, it's a good use of the two-way contract because it provides them some solid depth at the center position for like something you didn't anticipate with a second-round pick. Like Nolan said, I didn't wasn't really excited about Reggie Perry. I remember Matt and I were talking about it, saying like, "Is this hype even real?" And then we saw him in preseason. It's like, wow, this guy's actually pretty good, and he he looks like an NBA player. So there'll be probably a ten-game stretch where someone sprains their ankle, be it DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen. You see Reggie Perry a little bit more. You know, does he get those minutes, or do they just end up playing Jeff Green there, or? Where's Nick Claxton at? I'm not really sure. So I think we'll see him a little bit this year. I'm not sure how much because he is a rookie. Yeah, I think what provides him a point of difference, and it's interesting because he is a rookie, is his physicality. You know, he is just a monster. And his aggression to want to get the offensive boards, to want his bullies way down low to get the defensive boards, I think that separates him from Jared Allen, Claxton, and DeAndre Jordan. You know, if anything, he's closest to DeAndre Jordan, but he has more athleticism and just a a greater mindset to just eat everything up. And, you know, he's tough. And and I think that that's something, you know, that any team sort of needs. And, you know, on a two-way contract, man, he's going to be, like sort of Nolan mentioned, 45 to 50 games with the new um, ramifications of the two a contract you know he can you know actually contribute to this team in some level or, or another because you know we saw DeAndre got injured last season we saw Jared Allen got injured last season Nicholas Claxton still recovering from his injury um, going forward so look right now Reggie Perry's in a good spot and you know I'll say it again you know Sean Marks got himself a steal second round pick you know a, a guy that 57. if you get anyone yeah if you get any guy in the 50s that plays a game of NBA basketball that is a steal <laughs> yeah because usually yeah. those picks are sold. <laughs> exactly. You just get rid of them. Um, but in saying that, 
We're getting to the juicy point, guys. We are less than 24 hours away. Now, by the time people are listening to this, it's going to be even less. To Brooklyn Nets taking on the Golden State Warriors. KD showing love to the Golden State. I really like to see that. KD's looking happy and motivated. It's all good things. But Draymond Green is actually set to miss the game. Apparently, James Wiseman is going to play. Nolan, what do you think Draymond's absence mean for the Brooklyn Nets? And what are your thoughts going into game one of hopefully a championship season? Um, expectations are, you know, what they've been now for the last 18 months. I want to see the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA Finals. That's not going to change. I'm not going to mince words. As far as the matchup goals with the Golden State Warriors, it's it's going to be a really interesting test, in my opinion, for DeAndre Jordan or Jared Allen and exactly what kind of schemes uh, Nash throws out there. Because if we're dropping against Steph Curry and DJ's not at least showing – like, uh, it could be in for a really long night. So it, it's it, my, maybe a hot take of mine is Jared Allen really shows his worth this game because he even mentioned in an interview, I forget where it was, that he's coming up and he's showing. He's potentially trapping. He's hard hedging. And if you're going to play Steph Curry and you're going to drop and you're going to give him a little bit of airspace, like, it's it's it's, it's a 50 ball. It's just yeah. that he's, he's that dominant. He's the greatest shooter that's ever lived. So I'm, I'm mostly interested to see exactly what schemes that we throw out there. Um, as far as the Draymond Green not playing thing goes, I mean that, that's kind of unfortunate from the from the stance that I want to see Katie and Draymond throw down, you know, <laughs> go up in the crowds and turn it into a tables, ladders, and chairs match. I'm like, I don't get to see that anymore. But this is a game that the Nets obviously are very much so capable of winning, and we want to start off hot. Um, we want to take the first couple games if we can, which Warriors and then obviously Celtics on Christmas Day. We want to start off this new era hot. Um, so uh, I'm predicting a win. Uh, I really I don't think there's any excuses for it. I'm, I'm going to go out and say the Nets win opening night against the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, um, I think Nolan's spot on there. Obviously, with everything he said from the expectations being championship, like obviously they have KD Kyrie, they're, they have this roster, they have this salary, you need to win a championship. I think you want to come out and set the tone against Golden State, especially a guy like Kevin Durant who hasn't played in 18 months, a guy like Kyrie Irving who's missed a ton of time, and not to mention it's KD's old team. I know he said it doesn't really matter to him. We all know that's kind of a lie. Like You always want to beat your old team. You want to beat the Golden State Warriors and let them know, like, hey, I'm better than Steph Curry. And like the Draymond thing, like, I'm low-key happy about it because, like, I'm not to say that, like, I think Draymond would intentionally try to injure Kevin Durant, but I could see see him, like, doing something that just, like, playing him too hard and something happening and just, like, being, like – like, Draymond has a history. Like, I'm not going to... De- he definitely would kick him in the balls. He's done it to, like, 85. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at least, you know, KD's jewels would be safe for the night. Look, to piggyback, off, to piggyback <laughs> off what Nolan said, the only way the Brooklyn Nets lose this game is if Stephen Curry it just goes flamethrower like he did it. I mean, in the breakout game uh, at MSG, that was the breakout game for Stephen Curry. Look, it could happen. You know, the, there are still question marks about the Nets' defense, especially when it comes to their guards. You know, there and you know, like Nolan alluded to, if DeAndre Jordan's playing 25, 28 minutes a night, then those 25, 28 minutes on the defensive end are almost going to be a negative. Whereas if Jared Allen is out there and, and he's playing his high-level defense in, in showing his IQ and, and the athleticism with Kevin Durant playing at the back and Jeff Green's helping out and Toyin Prince here and there as well, 
Look, I think it's going to be a really fun matchup. I think it's going to be damn close as well. I think both of these teams are really motivated, and I wish Clay Thompson was playing Andre Mungreen. I think it would yeah. be even more of an explosive blockbuster matchup. But in its current iteration, the Brooklyn Nets, and without Draymond Green, it does give them a better chance because even if Draymond Green is the Draymond Green of last season, he's still their second best player on their roster right now, and not having them is a big loss for the Brooklyn uh, for the Golden State Warriors, and I, I guess a, a, in in turn a, a big win for the Brooklyn Nets. So hopefully that allows them to to start. The, the season off in winning fashion. Yeah, they're going to probably put Draymond on KD a lot of the time. Like, yep. you know what I mean? Like, Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre are lesser defenders, and obviously they don't have the same physicality as him, so that'll be interesting. But Nolan kind of mentioned this. How do you guys think they're going to play Steph? Like, are they going to switch? Are they going to blitz him? Are they going to switch it up and play a whole bunch of different things? And who do you expect to take the matchup? Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie? Spencer, yeah. You know what? Uh, I, I would say Spencer, but man, Kyrie, Kyrie really relishes in matchups with Steph Curry. Like we've seen it over the years. Um, it, it's his legacy. Yeah, I know it is his legacy. He 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 was the better player in the 2016 NBA Finals. Yeah. That's not me being biased. It's not sipping on the Kool Aid. It's just that's exactly Facts. what it is. Yeah, and Kyrie Irving, like he's defended Steph Curry pretty well over the years. I would say. I don't think that's some um, you know astronomically hot take either. So, I I, I would expect Dinwiddie on him. Um, I, I actually expect Kyrie to match up with them, you know, at least for multiple possessions. That wouldn't be exactly surprising me as well. But as we just talked about, I'm really curious to see how we guard him in the pick and roll. Because this yeah. kid, really, really early in the season, I'm talking game number one showcase to Nash and D'Antoni. Hey, DeAndre Jordan might be a problem, especially in the playoffs, if he's getting cooked off of switches, if he's not getting up, or if he's, you know, showing too much and Steph Curry is just blowing by and then everyone's all rotating trying to figure out well, what the hell is going on. It could be a legitimate issue. So I actually would like to see Jared Allen. Obviously, I'd like to see him start. He's not going to. I, I don't expect that to. But this could be, you know, moment numero uno where J.A. shows his worth to this roster. Big time. What are you thinking, Jack, in terms of how to defend Steph? You think they'll go with the switches or just keep it switching it up with everything in terms it's, of... I think there's just going to be a lot of different looks for him, similar to lot, like, you know, Damon Lillard got from the Lakers. You know, you just yep. throw different guys at him. You you might throw a, you know, Kevin Durant at him and on a couple of possessions. We saw in, like, you know, the All-Star game in yesteryear, taller guys playing on, on, on the guards and such. I just think that then, you know, we're seeing, you know, with the defense, you know, a lot of switching, a lot of experimentation. So I don't think there's going to be one sort of thing. And I think that that point a difference for guys like James Harden and Stephen Curry that are just so dominant on the perimeter. If you show them just one thing, they're smart enough to go, yeah. all right, I'm going to make this adjustment next position. But if it's all dip points, difference, different guys, different defenders, different schemes, then how you how can you make in those adjustments? And Stephen Curry can still do it. He is that damn good. Um, and it's going to be the key for the Brooklyn Nets defending him to, to win this game in, in a lot of respects. Obviously, this could be a shootout. We could see, you know, a, a 120 to 115 uh, win for the Brooklyn Nets. And hopefully, as long as it's a win, I don't think any of us really care. Yeah, that'd be interesting, too, with uh, Steve Nash, obviously having the ties to Golden State and how he defends Steph and, like, what he knows. And like no one mentioned, it's a big opportunity for Jared Allen. If DeAndre Jordan is really bad, or even if he just, like, gets two early fouls, like, Jared Allen could really earn himself the bigger chunk of the rotation minutes early in the season. Yep. Um, just, just to uh, quickly touch on what Jack said, I think, I think we're, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think we're going to get a lot of shootouts. I think this Nets philosophy might be our best defense and more offense. I like it. It'll work against most teams, if not all. <laughs> <laughs>
pretty much. Lads, it's uh, always a pleasure having having you on, Nolan. Yeah, we've got a big season ahead of us, and you're definitely jumping back on that is for sure. And man, it all starts in less than 24 hours. It's good. So this is this is our Christmas, guys. This is the Nets fan Christmas for us. Yeah, and then they had to play on Christmas as well. Oh, man, what a year. What a way to end an absolutely dog shit year. This is a great way to end it. We deserve this. Nets fans deserve this. Basketball fans deserve this. It wasn't always easy, but we made it, boys. And uh, it's always it's always a pleasure. I always love uh, hopping on and talking some nice with you guys. Big thanks pleasure. to both you guys. And obviously, you can always find the buzz on all streaming platforms. And hopefully tomorrow starts with a win. If you have a family relying on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. That's where Policy Genius comes in. In minutes, Policy Genius could save you 50% or more simply by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. To save on life insurance and get protection for you and your family, head to policygenius.com today. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.